0: Human beings are often shaped by their surrounding environment. Blue sky, white clouds, wide desert horizons and the oasis. This is Dunhuang. Living with such a landscape, people in Dunhuang are unpretentious, passionate, bold and unconstrained. But exactly how did they live in the land? What did the life of civilians look like over a thousand years ago? Hello, and welcome to another edition of our Why We Love Dunhuang podcast. In this episode, let's take a look at the life of the ancient Dunhuang people. Actually, researchers have uncovered some amazing findings. We've already talked about the mystery of the library cave and how it amazed explorers around the world following its discovery. Dating from the late 4th to the early 11th century, the Dunhuang manuscripts discovered in the cave include works of history, literature, religion, science and folk arts. It also contains many secular documents that offer us an important glimpse into the ancient civilian life of Dunhuang. Do you know, for example, how long it took to process a land dispute in ancient Dunhuang? A document which is kept in the National Library of France today has recorded a land dispute in Dunhuang in 945. Widow Ah Long was the wife of a wealthy landowner. She was reduced to near poverty following the death of her husband and son, and a piece of land that belonged to her was seized by a relative. In order to take back the land, she filed a lawsuit. Because the lawsuit was filed by an elderly poor lady, it drew the attention of Dunhuang's then chief administrator, who decided to personally hear and rule on the case. Following an investigation, A Long won her legal rights over the land. What we can tell from the remaining document is that litigation was launched for free in Dunhuang at the time. Moreover, from its registration to the final ruling, the whole process of A Long's lawsuit took just five days. Just five days! Think about how much we are able to do nowadays with just five days. Not much. The availability and efficiency of legal measures tells us a lot about social justice and its correlation with the local economic activities in Dunhuang at the time. Other than legal cases, Dunhuang documents have also recorded many other aspects of civilian life. For example, some divorce papers from the 9th and 10th century have been found. They tell us about the pursuit of independence and individualism on behalf of the women of the time. Married women had freedom to seek divorce in Dunhuang. Considering the bigger picture in ancient Chinese society where women were overwhelmingly suppressed, this was very rare. At least we know that in the case of ancient Dunhuang, perhaps under the influence of Buddhism, local society attached importance to real happiness in a marriage and respected women's rights. Local women's freedom was not only limited to marriage. They also formed non-governmental organizations. In fact, these so-called women's clubs may be the earliest form of women's association in China. Private clubs were commonly seen in ancient China. They were basically two types. One is mainly engaged in Buddhist activities. The other is mainly engaged in economic and daily mutual assistance activities. However, a private club organized by women alone was seldom seen in an ancient society where women usually stayed at home and enjoyed little social activity. But that's not the case in ancient Dunhuang. Clubs began to appear in Dunhuang in as early as the 2nd or 3rd century. Their prevalence reached its peak in the late Tang Dynasty in the 10th century. These social groups consisted of a dozen or dozens of members. Some of them formed based on family or patriarchal bonds. Some were based on industries and professions. Some came into being based on gender women's clubs provided women with a space outside their family life. Like many local women, Ah Long, the widow we mentioned earlier, was a member of a women's club which met regularly in a small building in the nunnery. They paid tribute to Buddha by reciting and chanting Buddhist scriptures. To become a club member, a woman needed to sign her name and register. The club advocated equality and mutual respect among members. Club members also collectively took part in praying activities. They prayed for their country and loved ones. After they finished praying, they entertained themselves by playing games and drinking wine. The financial cost of the activity was shared by all the members. To a certain extent, women in ancient Dunhuang began to rid themselves of the imprisonment of their families. They had achieved social networking and also enjoyed some economic freedom. According to the Dunhuang documents, local women's clubs usually had their own protocols. Members made a regular contribution to the club, either by paying fees or by donating rice, flour, cooking oil and so forth. Most club members sought to obtain a better fate by giving donations to a nunnery and by taking the five vows, which include no killing, no stealing, no lying, no intoxication and no sexual misconduct. In exchange, each club member was guaranteed funeral expenses from the club's collective assets. During the funeral of a club member, other members prayed for her, hoping she would enter the Buddhist paradise. Death is also an eternal topic for human beings. People who lived in Dunhuang more than a thousand years ago seem to have some special philosophies regarding life and death. A wall painting in cave 25 of Yu Lin has recorded a story where an elderly man, feeling he would soon pass away, bade farewell to his family members and entered a grave by himself to quietly wait for his death. It was believed at the time that if a Buddhist, before he died, could isolate himself from the rest of the world and dedicate himself to chanting Buddhist scriptures, he would have a better chance of entering the Buddhist paradise. From the painting, we can see that the grave was not an ordinary one, but looked like a hall for worshiping the Buddha. Apparently, the aged man was a pious Buddhist. He was bidding farewell to his relatives. All eight of the relatives were in distress. They wiped their tears with a handkerchief, covered their faces with sleeves or bowed down on their knees. But there were also some people dancing in the scene to congratulate him on a possible ascent to the Buddhist paradise. The man himself was wearing a white robe and appeared very calm. The painting showed how Buddhism had influenced social life and local people's perception about life and death at the time. Dunhuang is a historical legend in many ways. The murals inside the caves and documents found in the library cave have recorded numerous stories of ordinary people, including their happiness, their struggles, and how they bade farewell to the secular world. We will share these stories in our future episodes. In our next episode, we will temporarily shift our focus from humans to animals and take a look at one of the most popular animals depicted in the Dunhuang murals. Special thanks go out to the Dunhuang Academy and Sanlian Zhongdu for contributing to the content of this podcast. If you like the show, do give us a five-star rating or a review. I'm Graham Stevens. See you on the next episode of Why We Love Dunhuang.